Hello, sir. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I am good. I thought we should tell the people what happened yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> so we go to record, uh, and it turns out that I had gotten dongled. <laughs> Apple. Uh, yeah. So I, I brought my mic to where it needed to be, but not the uh, thing that lets me plug it into lightning. We started up, and I was like, you know, I can make it work. I, it sounds okay. And then we're like, nah, we, we care too much. We rescheduled the recording because we're professionals, and professionals care about sound quality. Yeah, I mean, you can't be having, you know, AirPod audio in your ears or whatever. You know, it just, no. it's just not. Speaking of which, a quick rant on this. It blows my mind the number of people that I will hear go on a podcast that I know gets like 100,000 downloads. And is like clearly like a pretty big marketing win for them or like an audience thing. And they have terrible sound quality. Yeah, I know. Like, oh, I picked the most echoey room in my incubator and I'm using these crappy AirPods and uh, you have to listen to this. I think it's just a lack of education out there. Like people don't realize how cheap you can get good audio. You're holding your microphone right now because you're kind of in flux and don't have your boom arm thing set up. And still, I don't think anyone's noticed. You know, it's just these mics are that good. Yeah. By the way, you want the Audio Technica ATR twenty one hundred USB. It sounds amazing. It doesn't pick up extra room noise. There could be construction going on outside. It's fine. If you're going to start a podcast, it costs like eighty bucks. I think there's even like a version two now. That's what you have. That's what I have. They sound great and they're amazing and they're cheap and they plug into almost all things as long as you don't have an Apple laptop. Yeah. <laughs> let's uh, let's go get that sponsorship from Audio Technica. <laughs> They should. Yeah. But anyway, we're back. We sound good. We're ready to rock. Oh yeah. We're trying a trying a new thing, recording in the morning, and I we've talked about this off air. I think I want to try doing mornings for a little while because I've noticed on recording days, even though this is this is a fun thing to do and it doesn't take a ton of prep, I've noticed my afternoon leading up to recording i always have kind of like a background thread going of like oh, what am i going to talk about today and i'm just kind of noodling on it and i think it might be impacting my productivity a little bit or just kind of like the the symptom of having like a hard stop in a day can be tricky it can either be a good thing or a bad thing sometimes you're like i only have an hour to get done what i'm working on i better be productive but if i'm working on a more on a looser, more creative task or something, then I'm like, eh, I've got this hard stop. I don't have time to even get into that this afternoon, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I think we should flip it all the way and we should go like Jocko Willing style and record this at like 4.30. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. Then it will definitely not uh, interrupt your day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It'll just interrupt your REM sleep yeah. instead. Yeah. When in doubt, just give up sleep, right? That's that's good advice, yeah. right? <laughs> We should record 10 podcasts, half at 4 a.m. and half at 4 p.m. and see if people can tell the difference. Yeah, split test. Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> you may already be in a split test. <laughs> yeah. You may have gotten the B version of this episode, which has <laughs> totally, different, totally different content. Yep. You know, hey, I was thinking, speaking of split tests the other day, it's interesting to me how I haven't used all of them, but it seems like most email tools, customer messaging tools, and things like that, they build A-B testing later in the process, which makes sense. It's not the first thing you start with. It seems to me like a tool should be pushing you to be testing stuff as the default path. Whereas it seems like most tools treat it as like, oh, this is the fancy professional path. But if it was just like every time I went to send a broadcast in Drip, if it was like, 
give us two subjects and we'll we'll test them and then you'll know or like especially for like a automated email like if this is going to go out again and again like let's like why why isn't the default that i think it's a it's a fair point i think the main reason why this is what we kind of came up against when we were architecting split testing was one people like the idea of it but they the users are not super comfortable with it i don't think and probably the bigger the bigger issue is sample size like most people don't have enough sufficient sample size to really run like a statistically significant split test that's probably true but isn't it better to do it anyway like is it just garbage data like i don't know the idea behind statistical significance is like if you if you haven't reached that certain threshold then you really can't trust the data like if one's telling you that this is performing better but you don't have enough sample size then it's anecdotal it's not it could swing the other way like maybe it has low confidence of being actually better yeah but the thing is if by default you just pick one you have zero confidence that that's the right one right yeah that's versus true. maybe you have a 50 percent chance that this one actually outperforms the other one or 60 or something who knows what it is but but it seems to me even weak data in a split test is probably better than not testing at all unless you're talking like you know a dozen conversions or something really small where it's just it's just total noise but then even then, the tool could kind of let you know. It's like, hey, you've only sent 20 of these. We're not even going to tell you, you know, that one's better than the other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just I, I always have this like not guilt or something, but I'm like, you know, I, is this the best subject line for this email? It's an important email. I don't know. Like, but it's I often don't get a, like around to or set, like setting up the A-B test. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was an interesting experience when we were built split testing in Drip because I think there's a lot more in it now in its current iteration but for the longest time there were just a few simple types of split tests you could do i think campaigns subject lines and delivery times it was you know so only for campaigns that were the recurring sequences not the one-offs and i think we surveyed the user base and it came up as like one of the top requested features when we were trying to figure out you know where to take the product after our initial like version of the of the product and so we built it it got very little use. It was pretty stratified. It was crazy. Um, that would totally be my guess. I think it's one of those things you know you should probably do, but you don't get around to it. And that's why I like. It seems to me this is a thing you would want to build in as like, look, we this is actually just the best way to do it, and so we're going to have that be the default path. It's like, okay, you are creating a new automated message. What metric are you trying to improve? That one? Okay, cool. We're gonna have a we're gonna automatically set up a control for you and only email half the people and, and make sure that like see what the metric does. Like I just I, I wish there was this more of that. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Instead I have to rely on my own discipline, which is you know, not, <laughs> it's not that reliable. Yeah. Because I mean you can do it right now in drip, I'm assuming with broadcast. I haven't tested I haven't tried it recently. Sure, yeah. But it's just the extra it's the extra clicks where you're like right yeah yeah mm-hmm. just yeah. deterrent enough there's a big difference between like this is this is how you do it and then like you can opt into this other thing over here which is more work but you probably should do that's just it's like the organ donor thing it's like if you're already an organ donor and you have to opt out it's just completely different compliance rates yeah yeah hmm. interesting anyway so I sent some emails to our marketing list or to our just list of people that want to hear about us. So we offered a free trial to everybody. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So we're doing it on both plans, the freelancer plan and the team plan, uh, and just sent it everywhere. And now everyone that signs up from on the website gets the free trial offer. 
turns out if you take a thing that costs $100 and you make it cost $0, uh, you get more people doing it. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. It's like we had uh, like 50 or 60 in the last week, which is pretty awesome because that's like more than we had in the previous month, which is awesome. I'm sure this is not the steady state of uh, new trials because, you know, we blasted like 6,000 people or something. But it's still it's still fun to see. It's exciting. It also feels like there's more, just because more people are getting into the product and using it, there's like more tweets that I'm seeing and people talking about it more. It feels like it's a little bit more active there, which is great. Although, of course, we have the flip side, which is I'm looking at the trials and like of those 50 or 60, like a dozen of them signed up and then have done nothing. And it's like, well, did they have one user? So what? <laughs> it's like they went through the process and entered the credit card and then maybe installed the app, but maybe not. But then, then they're just by themselves. So... Um, of course we have that's the that's the downside so one of my tasks today is to try to bribe these people and get them to move to the next step we're getting our first versions of our t-shirt today like the prototypes basically and so i'm going to figure out what we need to change and then start offering these to people i believe which is kind of fun to me you think you're going to offer them this early in the stage of like someone just signed up for a trial and you're trying to get them to move forward or are you going to wait until they're a little bit further along this is the kind of thing i want to a b test right it's like, this costs money. So I would like to know this actually does something. My plan was just to go through and just offer to everyone, basically. It's like, wherever you are in the funnel, if you're not basically activated, just like whatever the next step is, then offer them. If you do the next step, I will say, like, you can have a t-shirt. Yeah. Again, like, does that actually move the needle? It would be a bummer if it didn't because we're spending money on it. Yeah, I wonder if there's like a, if there's an easy filter of like, they have to at least respond to an email from you or something first before they can get the shirt or something like some way to like the people who are just really, really like, I want, I'm just curious to see what tuple is, but I have no intentions of moving forward or I don't have a team or whatever. Some way to like filter those people out, but maybe they wouldn't even give you their mailing address in the first place if they're not, if they're not engaged or something. I'm more inclined to like not really worry about that too much and just assume that it's like that'll happen at the margins, but whatever. If I can push like one team that would have just never activated into, you know, six, seven, eight, nine, ten people, it's like, okay, that paid for it's paid for a lot of shirts really sure. fast. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Probably the right approach at this stage. Like you don't really know what it's gonna how what it's really gonna cost you. So just just try it at a small scale and then see like if it's if you need to adjust. I do kinda wanna know it's working. I do kinda wanna have a control group, I think. Otherwise, you're kind of cargo culting. It's like, well, we've always done this and everything seems to work. So let's keep doing it versus we actually tested this and it had no effect. So let's try something else. Yeah. That's the that's always the hard part of doing things at relatively small scale. It's hard to get that confidence that like, is it is it working because of what I'm trying, what I'm experimenting with right now? Or is it just would it have worked anyways? And it's like. The fact that you can't split test reality is frustrating. Uh, Super annoying. <laughs> File a bug on that one. <laughs> yeah. 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 But also, I, I just think it's kind of fun. Like, I kind of like the idea of like, we have shirts out there and there's like our logo on the back and like people might say like, oh, that's cool or cute or funny or whatever. Like, where'd you get that? Like, it, it could have these sort of follow on effects. Also, just like, it seems like a good time to me. I kind of enjoy this idea. Like, we're spreading this thing in the world. Uh, we also uh, started doing stand ups. Oh, did you? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. You sound a little <laughs> apprehensive about it or something. I actually am I'm into it. Uh, I was apprehensive at first because it felt like kind of going back to some of those like, you know, scrummy big company kind of things. And I was not that jazzed. But it feels like it's giving us a good sense of energy. Like where we sort of start off by saying like, here's what I did yesterday. Here's what I'm doing today. Just like being like really on top of what everyone is doing is nice. 
like we sort of always kind of new ish but like it's nice to have everyone sort of state things and i, I think it's kind of focusing it is for me for, for sure it's like i want to get good things done on thursday so that on friday morning i can say i got i got the good things done and then i'm going to do more today and it just kind of applies like a little bit of social pressure i guess I've, I've actually been digging it i think that was like the first element of structure that we added on at team drip once we started feeling the need to like to kind of have a little more a little more information sharing going on or a little bit more goal setting or whatever and um yeah i think it's it's one of those things where you can do it in a lightweight way that doesn't turn into overly burdensome you know yeah so yep so yeah i, I yeah i feel i feel good about it i'm into it now and then further on the like process and structure thing we are all currently reading shape up ah yeah <laughs> the other day we kind of had like this meeting of like trying to figure out what to do next and prioritize and where should we track this and like it kind of emerged to me after like a half an hour of kind of debating things it's like none of us have a process we feel strongly about and that, that, that we really like and so i just sort of threw out like what if we just all read this book and then just, just see if it works like let's let's all read it by monday and then we'll kind of adapt it as we need to but then just kind of see if it feels like it's good for us yeah what has your like project planning structure looked like so far because i mean the shape up thing is like the six week cycles and the you know there's kind of a specific methodology to it have you guys been pretty loose about like we just kind of have a list and we kind of know what our priorities are and pull them off totally yeah yep yeah i wouldn't there often isn't even totally a list like it's just kind of like all right what's what should we do next like well this we've been hearing this a lot or this this seems important or whatever classic startup chaos which i'm actually i'm pretty comfortable with like I, i don't think it's that bad i was saying to spencer and joel that all processes have pros and cons. We're having some pains with what we're doing now, which is you know very ad hoc and unstructured. There are pros and cons to that. And then adopting a new thing will have a different set. And so we have to make sure that we're solving like a problem we actually have because we're, we're going to be adopting some downsides for sure. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully, so I should, I should really read this because there's been so much commentary about it in the industry, like it kind of made waves and I think in a good way. So I feel like I should be informed. But I hope that inside this, book there's like escape hatches like what are places where it's okay to kind of break out of the the mold because i feel like that would be really helpful if it's like in general by default you should stick to this certain cadence of planning work and and doing it but then like what are the places where you should break the rules you know in the name of being responsive to customers or just because you're small enough and you could be agile lowercase agile or whatever you know totally I do know that there's a section for smaller teams where he talks about where you might want to build in some more flexibility to the process. Uh, and actually, I, I really like the take, which is they say, if you're on a smaller team, rather than adopting these specific practices that we're doing, kind of just think about the things that are true in the world, the realities that are somewhat inescapable. Like in order to get work done, you basically have to shape it first. You have to decide what the work is. So maybe the process is not exactly the way we do it, but realize that you have to do that shaping thing. And that is for sure has been a pain point for us. That's the thing, thing I'm kind of most excited about uh, is that it has happened a couple times where I've asked Spencer O'Droll to do something and they do a thing and I'm like, mm, that's not what I wanted. Uh, and that sucks for everybody, right? That's, that's just no fun. And so like we're realizing now that there are First of all, not really any small features. Like just because you, it's easy to say a thing doesn't mean you're thinking of the same thing or it's actually going to be easy to do. And there's actually often a lot of surprising implications. So exploring that area first and determining those, oh, there's a rabbit hole over here. Watch out for this is, is really worthwhile. But also just having a written document where it's like, I wanted to do this and this and this, and this is important and this is not important. Even for something seemingly small is, is probably the, the right call. 
Totally. Well, I'm interested to hear, yeah, how it, um, what you guys think of the book after you read it and then, you know, the kind of the things you're thinking about implementing from it. Looking forward to that. Yeah. We'll probably talk to you about that on this podcast. Mm -hmm. Great. That would be a great forum. That will make some hashtag content that we can use. (laughs) How's our SEO, by the way? Are we SEOing up in here? Um, I don't know. I think we should do some keyword stuffing in the podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We should just say words. Now that now that Apple's apparently going to be like a transcribing podcast or something. Oh, are they really? Should, uh, I didn't hear this. Oh, <laughs> I think this was announced recently-ish. But I haven't seen it yet. But anyway, um, what's going on in your world? <laughs> My world is is going pretty good. I so last week I was at the conference and I talked about last time, and now I'm just been back to kind of the product trenches, working on the thing that I was also talking about last time. So did you not go to the Tiny Seed retreat then? I did, like I did not, sadly. Yeah, it overlapped with Jamstack Conf. Uh, yeah, I would have been like missing part of the retreat anyways and, would you know, flying across the world and all the implications of time zone messing with your head. Like, yeah. Do you feel fairly connected to the Tiny Seed cohort? I feel like decently connected. I feel like I, I'm bummed that I missed it. It was a tough call for me because I, I've heard the stories about how valuable these sessions are that they have on the retreats. Like, there's usually some really great, really great takeaways for people, and I've heard individual stories about people. Like, yeah, I wasn't really sure what to what to bring up about my business, and then as soon as I started talking to the other founders about it, like we went on for an hour and and got like through a bunch of meaty stuff. So I'm kind of bummed to miss out on that part. Part of me feels like that would be that would be really valuable for me right now. And it's harder to, to get that kind of interaction over, you know, Slack or we do kind of like weekly cohort calls and stuff or every other week. And so there's a chance to like kind of update people quickly on what you're working on, but it's still not, it's not the same as being in the same room as people. So it's so a little bit bummed to missed it. You know, it's been a little bit of a mental struggle this week and I, I'm trying to identify what's causing me the most strife. I think I'm mostly frustrated by my single threadedness. The fact that it's, you know, I'm solo. It's tough to straddle the lines between like building product, being like doing individual contributor work, and then also trying to wear the hat of the visionary and the product researcher and the person who's you know talking to customers and figuring out, making sure I'm like building what people want and you know, oh, what what niches is this most valuable for? And like all these questions that I want to have a lot of certainty about and be working towards answering in a meaningful way, but also faced with the fact that like if I'm going to if I'm going to build cool stuff, like that's also a very time consuming, creative, immersive process where it can easily eclipse all your time. Like you get that's a full time job in and of itself. So I think just like juggling these multiple what could be full time jobs and feeling like how do I strike the balance well on this and and continue to build great product and nail it on the product marketer and customer like product person who interfaces with customers and, and do all, juggle all those things? Um, it's hard. <laughs> Sounds hard. Yeah, it's like any any good idea you have, you always have to go do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're never like here's an idea and I can hand it off to someone. Right. Right. And I, I know that's a, that's both a superpower and a burden, you know, like it's, it's really cool that I don't have to, you know, write up a ticket and try to describe what I want, what I want to do and then interface with the person to make sure it's good. like, there's, there's a certain amount of friction involved with that process too. On the flip side, 
I'm the only one. So <laughs> there's no one to, there's no one to delegate that to. And so I think that's, that's the trickiest part. And I'm feeling like time's moving quickly. I don't have enough time to do all the things that I need to do. And also like managing, I don't know, managing energy levels. Like, you know, in theory, it's like, yeah, I should be regularly talking to users and trying to make sure the product is on the right track. Just thinking through like, what are the mechanisms? What are the best ways to approach these kinds of conversations? Do I email the whole list? Do I do a lightweight survey? Do I start reaching out one by one to people? There's everything that you could do as a founder has a bunch of decisions around it. And I think it's like a little bit of decision fatigue that I'm feeling right now, where I kind of sometimes feel like I'm just making, I'm really just flying by the seat of my pants, making, making, you know, a bunch of decisions that are not necessarily well thought out, because I don't feel like I have the time to think all of them through really well, you know. (laughs) And do you think that's like kind of a downstream effect of not having someone to bounce ideas off of? Probably. Yeah. I mean, I think I have plenty of people to bounce ideas off of, but it's I think this is maybe the difference between having co-founders and just having friends or mastermind groups or a net, you know, like a a network of people who are invested in you and and willing to help, but like I'm not going to I'm not going to necessarily tap that well like five times a day as I'm trying to think through my, you know, minutia of running my business. I think it's the lacking that like someone else in this with me taking on half the decision making and so i don't know i don't have any conclusions or uh solutions for myself right now it's it's just what i'm thinking through and um struggling with a little bit i think totally i mean i understand that a struggle feels very natural to me i think going it solo is is kind of hard mode a little bit yeah for sure and i think it's probably trying to give myself permission i guess to go in phases where like okay I'm, i'm building this meaty you know, feature that I feel like is kind of a foundation, a big foundational change to the product and will be, will be good for, for the product. And like, maybe it's going to take me two weeks to build this. And I think I alluded to this before, like about my struggle to commit to taking on long, long projects, because, you know, I get a week and a half in and I'm like, yep, my marketing efforts have definitely slowed down. Like I'm still getting a trickle of signups, but there's a lot fewer. There's not people talking about static kit. Like I'm not staying in the the public conversation as much because yeah, I've been building product and not been doing marketing stuff. And that starts to weigh heavy on me. And I start to feel like, Oh, no, am I am I slipping on that front? But I kind of feel like I need to give myself permission to just go, you know, go deep on building this stuff and then plan to once that's shipped, then like, all right, now I'm going to reemerge and flip back over to more of the, you know, marketing and and product person role. Um, Do you think it would make sense possibly to have like a part-time marketing person to hand things off to. Maybe I haven't really thought, I haven't really thought about what that would look like. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I could see it not working that well. Like you don't have a process exactly right now or something like it might be tough to just be like, take over marketing or like, yeah, it might be one of those things where the, the additional friction of managing a person and giving them tasks doesn't gain you that much. Yeah. Cause I feel like it's so f- fuzzy for me right now on what it would really need to be a I feel like a very entrepreneurial person who who would take a lot of ownership in in setting that direction because um yeah so that was kind of my short-term thought but then my longer bigger picture thing is like I mean I feel like solo foundership is hard like I honestly would kind of like love to see you teamed up with somebody so you have you know that 
companion in the trenches and you know somebody else who's complimenting your skill set and things like that yeah 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 but i don't know how you go from where you are to there (laughs) that's like just find an awesome Mm co-founder man Mm -hmm. taking on co-founders is like is sort of like marrying people you know it's like it's a big it's a big deal yeah and that sounds like a just that sounds like a lot of work vetting (laughs) like searching vetting dating (laughs) all of that analogous to um to finding co-founders yeah it's probably worth trying to like have some conversations with other solo founders who have navigated it and see what their strategies were because i know you know people do it i know that it's been done but there's always um a million different factors that go into every business it's hard to generalize things so some solo founders probably hit on something that just kind of like right place right time and just had a naturally easier time and so i want to find some who find some who had to really grind it out <laughs> to see what, they're, <laughs> what they're. i imagine it's the benefit will be less like the oh i had this this tactic or this thing that worked for me and more kind of like commiserating and also like being like okay this is possible this person is a normal human they figured it out uh this is doable that might might sort of help spike your energy levels back up again yeah 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 i'm also like so vulnerable to um being influenced by the state of the business like i think all of these concerns that i have would be much like i wouldn't be worrying about them if like i you know i scored a thousand dollars in mrr this week like i would be like oh everything's fine <laughs> like, yeah i'm just gonna build product and then i'm gonna switch over to this and like i wouldn't be so anxious about all this stuff so and and it frustrates me too that like that i'm allowing myself to get all you know in my head about the struggles of solo foundership purely because I'm maybe not happy with uh, my conversion rate to paid right now or whatever, you know, it's, uh, yeah. Let me know if you figure that one out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the central, that's the central struggle, right? It's super hard to not feel tied to that. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, not to be a downer, man. <laughs> no, no, it's cool. I mean, I, I'm, I like the realness. Yeah. The honesty. Yeah. I don't know if we can put a, a, a tidy bow on it. Probably it's not. Kind of, it, it is what it is this week, I guess. Yeah, to be continued. I mean, that's, yeah. that's what this is, a story. One thing that has struck me listening back to our old episodes is that sometimes there'll be an episode where I'm just like down. Think I'm kind of kind of bummed for sure. And then like the next week, it's like different person. And it's it's only one week apart. And it's like, oh, well, yeah, I remember I was like really upset about this thing. And I was feeling really stressed about that. And then it turned out on the next Friday, I didn't care at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So maybe just... Uh, keep a little bit of like a keep the recency bias in mind and yeah realize like it could just be a couple days and you'll be you'll be feeling good yeah yeah i know i'll feel really good once i ship this thing that i've been working on and like i have a whole slate of decisions left to make around all right i have this cool new stuff now what do i do with the hundreds and hundreds of users who have created accounts and have forms like how do i get them smoothly transitioned over you reach certain points in the cycle of building a feature where you're like all right i feel really good about this and now I need a migration plan for everyone else. Like, I really just don't, I don't want to spend the time to do that, but you have to, man, you know? Yeah. Um, that is where, that is the part of things I am worst at. Mm-hmm. Is that like the last 20% where mm-hmm. it's like, it's all figured out. And now we're just pushing the things down the hill. Yeah. It's like, ugh, I'm yeah. so bored. Next thing, please. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I feel your pain. Yep. All right, man. Well, good chat. Yeah. Good chat. Appreciate the honesty. Oh, yeah. Course. Do you want to wrap it? Uh, yeah, let's wrap it. All right. Show notes. Show notes can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.